Southeast Radio's Business Matters with Carl Fitzpatrick. Welcome back to Saudi Radio's Business Matters with me, Carl Fitzpatrick. I'm now joined by our resident economist, Mark Coleman. Mark, good morning and thank you for joining us. Good morning to you and uh, congratulations are really in order. I believe Chevron are acquiring Aluna. I think that's an absolutely great move. All the stuff we've been talking about in the last couple of weeks, it really ticks all those boxes. You're going to be getting into some of the hotter sectors, the tech sectors. And uh, we were talking about bringing high tech jobs to Wexford. Well, you're going to do it, by, I believe, by having a footprint in Dublin to provide the services in Dublin, which is going to create the jobs in Wexford. So that's, that's brilliant. That's exactly, I think, what we need to see more of. And it's also, I know from ESRI research, that one of the problems we have with our education system is that it's very skewed towards university degrees. And we're seeing massive shortages, particularly in employment creating tech areas. I know some companies are losing jobs in the bigger tech sectors, but there's emerging job creation in a lot of the niche or smarter tech sectors. And uh, this is going to actually help provide those jobs. So well done on that score. It's really good news for the economy and it's great news for Wexford. Well, many thanks, Mark. Much appreciated. Today we're going to be discussing what more the state can be doing to support SMEs and more importantly, micro enterprises. You believe that there's a case to be made for unviable SMEs and micro enterprises to be supported? Well, you know, I remember Desmond O'Malley back in the early 80s saying lame duck firms, let them die. And he was talking about firms that received direct state subsidies. But there's a very dangerous and pernicious and toxic myth about the micro firms of Ireland. We're talking about less than 10 that, you know, uh, we've carried them through lockdown. And sure, it's better to let a lot of them die because they're not viable. I mean, it's a pretty pernicious logic because... They suffered because of lockdown being imposed by the state, arguably for good reasons. And any problems they had prior to COVID are greatly exacerbated by the very high levels of tax, very high business costs and very high regulation and low competition we have in markets that small business rely on compared to, say, countries like Germany, which are very friendly for SMEs. So really, I think the state or state authorities or officials are on very thin ice perpetrating this myth. It's a very dangerous one. And I think that Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil TDs who want to get re-elected need to get very busy knocking that one on the head very quickly for reasons that we're going to discuss now. You want so much to talk this morning about the silent banking crisis. Well, we all know about the financial crisis that happened in the, uh, in the late 2000s. That happened because we had far too little banking regulation and interest rates were increased too slowly. And the other feature is that it got into the news because the billions of damage that it did to the economy were done to big influential banks and developers. So they hit the, the headlines. The silent bank crisis that I worry about is could be as damaging, if not more, but may not get the news headlines because unlike hitting a couple of big developers and banks, It will be spread across tens of thousands of micro-businesses that I've just been talking about. And it's not caused by extreme low levels of regulation. It is caused by a combination of a very high and perhaps excessive level of regulation that is being done on a much more one-size-fits-all basis by people in Frankfurt and Brussels who are doing it with the best will in the world, but don't have any private sector experience, have never run a business themselves, and don't understand the differences of the Irish economy. 
And my worry is that we've gone from one extreme of under-regulation to another extreme. We've gone from one extreme of the ECB not raising rates as fast as it should have done uh, when I recommended it to do so when I left the ECB in 2004, to now a very rapid acceleration of, of increases that are making up for that. And it's the, it's the micro-businesses that are going to get it in the neck. Now, uh, can I just quickly give you an example of what we're up against here? And can I give a shout-out to Microfinance Ireland, who are doing good work uh, with you know, limited teams, and their staff are great, and I shout-out to them. But they are stuck with this regulation. And let me just give you a document checklist for a company that has got a loan approval. And we could be talking about a small pub, a small shop that's viable, doing well otherwise, but needs a loan to tide us over what's coming down the tracks, which even Michael McGrath and his officials now agree is a slowdown in the domestic economy. For even a modest loan of 25 grand, you need to have confirmed the loan uh, offer with multiple signatures. You need a drawdown notice, a direct debit mandate. That's re- re- reasonable enough. But you need a certificate of incorporation, which, frankly, the organization could get from the CRO website. You need a tax clearance certificate for yourself, for your company. You need a passport. You need a driver's license. You need a proof of address. Much of this is already requested in the application process, so it's duplicating. You then need memorandum and articles of association. And then there's a whole list of special conditions uh, and then you need to read the state aid de minimis rules. And if no state aid has been received, please put nil. Now, that's particularly interesting because a lot of state consultants, uh, state funded ones like the ESRI are tax funded. I wonder if this level of bureaucracy is imposed upon them. I wonder if this level of bureaucracy is imposed upon universities. It seems that the more private sector you are, the more hoops and hurdles you have to jump over. And of course, this is fine for multinational companies. But for many, many of the small businesses around Ireland, this onerous and I would say almost prohibitive uh, uh, requirement for excessive duplicative documentation is costing days and days of work that costs money because you lose clients. Or it means that small business owners are not spending time with their family and their kids. They're spending hours until the middle of the night filling out documentation that, quite frankly, we as taxpayers ought to expect to be provided in a centralized web uh, online system that the state pays for and that we can conveniently access without having to go through all this. I mention this because really it is absolutely unbelievable how many barriers we are putting in the way of our small businesses to access simple finance. And it really is the other end of the extreme. We all know credit was too easy to come by. We all know the banks were throwing cash at us 14 years ago. But that is not an excuse to go to the other extreme. And I would really say I'm delighted for Pascal Donoghue. I'm delighted that he became president of the Eurogroup. But I think he can win friends now by addressing this at the Eurogroup and really going to the regulators on Europe and saying enough is enough we must bring the pendulum back from the extreme over-regulation to something reasonable. We need dialogue on that. And I think the banks and the Microfinance Ireland and the great staff that they have who are doing their best nonetheless need to sit down and look at really how can we make this process easier? Because I can tell you and promise you thousands of viable businesses are going to go bust if we don't deal with this problem now.
the way I would describe it is that it, it, 12 years ago, there was too little regulation and the regulatory line process went from Wexford, if you're a Wexford business, to, to Dame Street, where the central bank is. That line now goes from Wexford all the way to Frankfurt and Brussels. And whereas you had one or two regulators in between and one or two processes, you now have half a dozen to a dozen, all of them throwing in their own regulatory burdens, anti-money laundering, um, you know, uh, macro prudential requirements. And nobody is controlling. Uh, there are bureaucratic machines that are simply churning this out with the best will in the world, you know, with a good heart and a good intent. But unfortunately, none of them have private sector experience. So they do not realize the crippling burden. This is all adding up. And somebody, and I would say Pascal Donoghue would be a great man to do it, needs to stand back, or Michael McGrath needs to stand back and say, hang on, we have created an excessive burden. We now need to sit down at the Council of Europe and with the regulators and actually rein this in and if necessary reform regulatory bodies and require them and this is a suggestion we have a 30 percent rule quite rightly where we now have a minimum requirement for women on the boards and councils of these institutions we are way past the time now where we need to be going to the european central bank we need to be going to the european banking authority and commission and saying you must now have at least 40% of your staff from the private sector. You must have people who understand what it is to create a business, to employ people, because it's completely unacceptable now that we have these regulatory authorities um, where 99% of the staff have never made a VAT return and never made a payroll. This cannot go on, Carl. Well, if you've just tuned in, that was our resident economist, Mark Coleman, and we'll hear more from Mark on next week's programme. Southeast Radio's Business Matters with Carl Fitzpatrick.